Welcome to the Refuge City Church Midweek Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Thrower, the lead pastor of Refuge City Church. So let's get into Sunday Sermon. This was Sunday Sermon. I want to talk about the politics of Paul, which is something that I've been putting a lot of thought into, and I warn you that these are just thoughts that are still marinating in my head. I mentioned in this past Sunday's message that some of Paul's language was clear defiance to the Roman Empire. Uh, For example, saying Jesus is Lord or uh, Yahweh Jesus is Lord was a slap to the popular saying that Caesar is Lord. Uh, In chapter 2, it's going to say that there is no name under heaven by which men can be saved other than Jesus. That was also a jab at the emperor because it had a similar saying that went something like, well, there is no name under heaven by which men can be saved other than Caesar. Even our use of the word gospel was a political hit to the empire. Uh, The the Greek euangelion, in, in origin, it is not a uniquely Christian word. It was used as a military or political term that broadly meant heralding good news about a king. So the picture would be that when there was a peaceful transition of power, or if you know your Roman history, not a peaceful transition of power, uh, these messengers would scatter throughout the empire with the good news and would say something like, Octavian is Lord, Tiberius is Lord, or Nero is Lord. This was cause for rejoicing because it meant the empire was intact and still in power. What about when Paul said, rejoice in King Jesus? And again, I say, rejoice. Paul was clearly saying that the imperial sovereign's prison had no power over the crucified king's joy. He even plants the idea of the Roman Empire's destruction in chapter 1, verse 28. And later he says that every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus is the sovereign king. Now imagine if a Roman jailer or someone from the elite guard proofread this letter. Paul is not employing an empty metaphor as though Jesus had become the sovereign of Christian's heart or taken up the metaphorical throne of the inner lives or even the church. No, Paul is emphatic that God has given Jesus sovereignty over every name, every knee, and every tongue throughout the entirety of the world. All will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the sovereign king. It is this fundamentally universal claim to Christ's sovereignty over all people in all places that clarifies the reason for Paul's imprisonment and soon-to-be execution. The Roman Empire was filled with religious and spiritualities which Rome generally welcomed as part of its strategy of assimilating people and diffusing potential conflict, but Paul wasn't preaching a new inner spirituality. He was cultivating a new way of interpreting reality, authority, and thus, here it is, political order. Such assertions and claims were unthinkable and treasonous to the state precisely because it defied the totality of Caesar's claim to authority. Paul insisted that the ruler of his state are subservient to a higher authority that will ultimately judge them. Now, if Paul is getting political, when do we pick up our ARs and Glocks? Well, not so fast there, sharpshooter. Paul doesn't suggest that Christians are to gather their swords and start a violent insurrection. No, think of it as a spiritual insurrection. If Rome governs with the sword, Christians govern in the way of Christ. So, Paul takes a play out of Christ's very own playbook and would go on to say that we are to serve with humility. That's the new way. And humility was frowned upon by Rome. Only servants and slaves were humble. For Jesus and the early Christians and Paul, 
This was how the church was to advance the kingdom of heaven in the here and now. It's not about escaping the world. It's that Jesus is king now. Go advance his rule and message with sacrificial boldness, grace, and humility. Now, to further this point, Paul sends greetings to the Philippian colony from those who belong to Caesar's household. You can see chapter 4, verse 22. And this is my favorite, because this is a clever way of announcing the presence of Christ's people inside the empire's center of power. Caesar might be able to put some of King Jesus' followers behind bars, but others are already inside and bearing witness to Christ's new life and law. It's almost as if there's like spies in the camp. Rather than hinting at an assassination plot, which was common in the Roman palace, Paul says that these people send greetings. Paul's final word from prison is grace from his new king, who guards the undefeatable spirit of his people, even in Caesar's oppressive shadow. Now, I raise this thought because I've been told as a pastor I'm not allowed to be political, mainly because I've called out the hypocrisies of some of our national leaders, and good Lord, you thought that I was talking about somebody's mom. But that's another conversation. But here's my question, and I'll wrap this up. Since there seems to be this subtle or not so subtle political message in Paul's letter, shouldn't we as Christians be more political? Now hang with me and don't drop out on me just yet. Imagine if we were legislating and governing under the rule and authority of Christ the King. Imagine if we sent more Christ-exalting gospel proclaimers to Washington that pushed out the darkness in our governmental swamp. I mean, isn't the call to be citizens of the kingdom far greater than being citizens to our country? Don't we want to see his kingdom come and will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And now it's time for our current event. I want to follow up from last week's topic on the H.R. 5 Equality Act and talk about the driving force behind that, which is the LGBTQ movement. June, as you know, this is the month where we see people fly a rainbow flag or change their social media avatars to show they observe LGBTQ Pride Month, which is in defiance to the call of humility. But anyway, so in doing so, they show they've bent the knee to the LGBTQ cause just so they won't feel the wrath that will be poured out to those who are not showing equality. We see corporations and all media outlets adopting this woke agenda, even LGBTQ sections on Disney+. But I raise this because I've seen a lot of my brothers and sisters in Christ bowing their knee to a celebration that is opposed to God's word. And here's what I would suggest. We do not love our neighbor when we tell them they can continue to engage in unrepentant rebellion against God. And that goes for any sin situation. We cannot continue with the non-offensive, get-along mentality that is leading those we claim to love to destruction. If we truly love our LGBTQ neighbors, we must, and I quote, speak the word of God with boldness. That's from Acts 4.31. We may have to accept the fact that some won't return, but we can't bear the responsibility of leading them to hell because we are too woke to tell them the gospel requires repentance? So here's my question. Will we love our neighbors and stand with the only true God, or will we hate our LGBTQ friends by bowing to the foolish idol makers of LGBTQ Pride Month? So this raises a question that I have received on numerous occasions since coming to Cedar City, and it's this. Do we accept anyone in the LGBTQ community to our church? And here's my response, and then I'm done. We welcome everyone and affirm no one. 
And this is an original, by the way. But here's what I mean when I say we welcome anyone, but we will not affirm anyone. We will welcome a person who is self-righteous, haughty, a gossiper, sexually promiscuous, homosexual, liar. But we will not affirm a self-righteous person, haughtiness, gossiping, adultery, homosexuality, lying. This limited list is all of us. But it doesn't mean you're not welcome to join us. It just means we can't affirm any person, or in this case, the LGBTQ pride agenda. We can't affirm a person or an agenda because Romans 3.23 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Our greatest need is not to be accepted by a person, but to be accepted by God. And how are we accepted by God? We repent and trust King Jesus for our salvation. We will only affirm what the Bible teaches. And the biggest thing we can affirm is that Jesus, while fully God and fully man, came to save sinners. The tomb is empty and we are called to live a life that reflects Jesus. Because one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is our sovereign king. Hey, I'm glad you're still hanging with me which means we're at the finish line of today's midweek podcast. Hey, we would love for you to leave us a review and tell us what you think. If you want to learn more about Refuge City Church, feel free to visit us online at refugecitychurch.com. Until next time, grace and peace to you.